You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. You've heard the story of an egg, a clumsy egg with arms and legs. On the wall he sat so tall until he fell on top his head. Down and down and down he goes, no cushion or cloud to soften the blow. What could be his destiny? A fractured skull or broken toe? Indeed, he almost broke in two, his shell in need of tape and glue, feeling sore on the floor. Who will make him as good as new? A cry for help went to the king, who sent some men to heal his sting, armed forces on horses, doing their best with what they could bring. No magic, no potion, no friend could stop him from his bitter end. Time to do something new. Just he could make him whole again. Filling his life with lots and lots made him happy, or so he thought. Could it be? Certainly. Fix himself even he could not. We know the tale heard it spoken. None could help him in this poem. But there's one, unlike none, who can fix us when we're broken. Uh, Today, we're actually going to finish up our Broken series. So this is the last week of Broken. Um, and we're going to be looking at it uh, out of Luke. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 4 is where we'll get to in just a second. Luke chapter 4. This whole series has been about um, looking at our own brokenness, um, the brokenness of, uh, that each one of us has, but also just the brokenness of humanity, but the fact that Jesus has come to restore that, to restore our, uh, make us whole, to um, give us back what we've lost, to begin to heal and restore our lives. And, and we've seen um, that Jesus wants to do that, but we've also seen uh, ways in which Jesus begins to do that. And we're going to continue to look at that today um, as we get into the scripture. But first of all, I, I want to pray for us before we get going. But before we pray, I want to encourage you tonight uh, to Open your heart. Let the Lord work in your heart tonight. Um, Whatever maybe you walked in here with as far as walls or um, things that are holding you back from uh, letting God really speak to your heart, I want to encourage you to take a minute and just set those things aside. Um, Some of us probably need to set some of our preconceived notions about God aside to be able to listen to what he has to say to our hearts tonight. And maybe some of us need to set some of what we know or have known about church aside and allow God to speak to our hearts. Um, For some of us today, we need to set uh, some things aside so that God can pour into us something fresh and something new and that he can speak into our heart and into our lives and begin to refresh us through his spirit. And so that's my prayer for us tonight, that that God would really work in us, that our hearts would be open, that today um, it would be as though we write God a blank check with our lives and with our hearts so that he can do what he wants to do in us and we not have some uh, preconceived notion of what 
he should do or what we want him to do or what he's done in the past, but that tonight we leave it open for him to work and to speak in the way that he desires to work and speak in us um, and into our hearts. And so with that, let's pray and then we'll get going. Jesus, we thank you for your heart for us. God, I pray that in the next few minutes we would be able to set things aside. God, that we would um, be able to open our hearts to receive what it is that you would have us to receive tonight. That we'd be able to hear what it is you want to speak to our hearts tonight. God, that tonight um, we would encounter you. That we would encounter you in a very real way. And God, I, I pray that maybe it's a way we've never encountered you before. I penetrate our hearts through your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit. Encourage us, God, to come after you, to pursue you, to seek you, to desire more of you. Lord, we, we ask for more of you now and that you would work and fill our lives. God, we love you and thank you that you are a good father. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read something to you. It says, I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting this battle in the church. I'm tired of fighting people and Satan. I'm tired of keeping all these plates spinning. I'm tired of trying to make people happy. I'm tired of begging people to be involved in community, serving, and generosity. I'm tired of watching people hurt. I'm tired of wondering what's coming next around the corner. I'm just tired, yet I want to live. I want to thrive again. I want to believe my best years are ahead and not behind. I want to feel passion for the church and for church people again. I want to be on fire for the vision again. I want to be invigorated by preaching every week. And I want to have a fire in my bones again. I wrote those and those, I read that to you out of my own journal, my personal journal that I write things in. Um, contrary to popular belief, it's not girly to write in a journal, but um, I wrote that and, and the thing about it was I didn't write it seven years ago. Um, I didn't write it, uh, you know, when we started the church, I didn't write it two years ago. I didn't write it a year ago. I didn't write it a month ago. I didn't write it last week. I actually wrote that in my journal this morning at eight o'clock when I was trying to figure out exactly what I was supposed to say to the church today. Um, be honest with you, I've never been in a situation like I was in this morning where at 8.15, I, before the nine o'clock service, I text Joey, our executive pastor, and said, I have no idea what I'm about to say. And I've never quite been there. I've been in situations where I didn't know exactly what to say, I, 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 but God had always given me something. And I got into that position and I, and I literally, when I came up here, I didn't know what, what it was going to be. The only thing I knew is a couple of scriptures that God had given me. But I believe that God did that for a reason and we can look back and see in hindsight a lot of times what God's doing when we don't know what he's doing in the moment. 
And I don't believe it was coincidence that God um, led me that way and, and, and brought me to a place of really having to depend on him. Because today as everything unfolded and as the things became more clear and as we got into worship this morning at nine and we began to get into the message, it became clear that, that today God wanted us to talk about and to really be challenged with the topic of the Holy Spirit and who God is and what God wants to do in us. And I know for me, uh, I get to a point many times where I try to do things so much out of my own strength and I try to do things so much um, out of my own determination that I don't do things out of the power of God. I don't do things out of the the true strength that God wants to give us because I I, I run ahead and I try to do things on my own. I try to depend on my own strength and depend on what I can do. And I feel like I'm probably not the only one in here who does that from time to time. But it's so easy to, to take things into our own hands and to even think sometimes that if I don't handle this, if I don't take the responsibility of this, if I don't bear the weight of this, then it's not going to be done. If I don't bear the weight of this, if I don't carry this, then certainly it's not going to happen the way it needs to happen or at least the way I want it to happen. And the thing that I find is that I often end up in this place and just tired. I've been carrying things that I wasn't meant to carry, where I'm not walking in what God wants me to walk in, in the the power of his presence and the power of his spirit. And this is what I believe for the church, and I believe this wholeheartedly for this church, but for the church in our culture, in the United States, in the South, um, all around us, that so many times we do church, but we do it as though the Holy Spirit is optional. We do it as though we've gotten so good at church that we can do it on our own. And the thing that I want us to hear and I want you to understand today is that we need the Holy Spirit to work in us. We need the Holy Spirit to work through us. And the thing that I often have seen is that we too many times push the Holy Spirit out. Too many times we squeeze him out. Too many times it's something that becomes so mysterious that we just don't want uh, to, to even go there. Um, it's like when uh, you know Cousin Eddie shows up at Christmas vacation and things go kind of you know, crazy, right? And, uh, and we kind of see the Holy Spirit in that way. And many of us have had these differing experiences with the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been around churches where the Holy Spirit was never mentioned. He was never mentioned for that reason because it was kind of hard to understand. And people called him the Holy Ghost, which was kind of creepy and eerie. And you didn't really know what to do with that. And so we, we sort of just ignored him altogether. Uh, and then on the other side is some of you grew up and or you've been around churches that uh, they, all they talked about was the Holy Spirit. And so you never really even heard heard much about Jesus, it was so much about the Holy Spirit. And this is what I believe. I believe that there's somewhere in between those two that we come to where we realize that the Holy Spirit is 
part of the, the Godhead, that the Holy Spirit is God, that the Holy Spirit is not an option, the Holy Spirit is someone we have to have, that he's not an it, that he's not um, uh, something, but he's someone, and he's the one that God has given us today to live in us, to give us the strength we need, to give us the power we need, but too many times we neglect him, we ignore him, and we really don't have a relationship with him. And so we walk on our, in our own strength. We do things in our own strength. We try to do things in our own power. And I'm telling you, that's not really an option. It's not really an option. Not to do the things that God's called us to do. I believe this with all my heart, that God, every, every single person in here tonight, including me, that there's more of God that he wants us to experience. There's more of God that he wants us to have. There's more that he wants to show us. There's more that he wants to teach us. There's more, there's more that he wants to do in us. There's more than he, that he wants to do through us. The way he does that is through his Holy Spirit working in us. Think about it this way. If God the Father is in heaven and Jesus is seated at his right hand, who is it that works in us today? See, the book of Acts that you look at and after the Gospels, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but it could very easily be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because what we see is the Holy Spirit continuing the work of Jesus through Jesus's followers. And that's what we're called to do is for the Holy Spirit to continue the movement that Jesus began almost 2,000 years ago to continue that movement through us. He does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things I thought about this week is how every one of us is in a battle. Every one of us is in a fight. Every one of us has an enemy. First Peter 5, 8 tells us that we have an enemy. He tells us that the devil's like a roaring lion. He prowls around seeking whom he can devour, seeking whom he can take down. And many times we ignore that as well. We don't acknowledge the fact or acknowledge the truth that we really do have an enemy who wants to devour us, to consume us, not to hinder us, but to destroy us. Who's more powerful than us, but who's not more powerful than God. And so we have to realize we're in this battle. And I began to think about this. How do we walk in this battle? How do we walk in this temptation of life How, that, that tempts us to take things into our own hands, that tempts us to, to walk in our own way, that tempts us to do things apart from God, that tempts us to go through the religious motions of church. But I can tell you this, doing church apart from the power of God's presence is a burden and not a blessing because it becomes about doing rules, it becomes about legalism, it becomes about projecting an image, rather than walking in the power in a relationship with God. How do we battle this? How do we battle in the spirit? How do we, how do we continue to walk in what God wants us to walk in, even though we face this enemy? And I thought about in Luke chapter four, Verse one, I'll read these verses to you. It says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days 
being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I'll give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, and he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. When I look at Jesus coming into this temptation, it's right after his baptism. He's coming in literally into um, what we look at as a, a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, where Satan is literally coming against him to try to tempt him, to take him away from his purpose, to take him away from his, his, uh, the power of God, to take him away from what he was intended to do. And we see him come into this after his baptism, after he's come out of the Jordan. But the Bible tells us that there are two things that Jesus was full of, two things that we need to be full of, and those are are the Holy Spirit and God's Word. And it tells us that he was full of the Spirit of God. It tells us that when Satan would try to to make him believe a lie, to make him uh, get off path, to make him get off track, what would he do? He would quote scripture to refute him. The Bible tells us in um, the book of James that if we'll resist the devil, he will flee from us. It, It didn't happen just one time. Satan is persistent. He continued to come. But what did Jesus do every time he came? He used the word of God to resist him. And Satan had to flee. My question for you right now would be this, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Are you full of the Word of God? Are you prepared? Are you preparing? Is God working in you? Do you open this book? Not to do something that you have to do uh, to be a good Christian, right? But because it's source of life. Do we open this book to read it so that we can feast on the bread of life, realizing that this is where we find life, realizing that this word is living and active, that it's powerful, that it speaks to our hearts like nothing else, and it equips us to be able to stand in the battle. We have to come to a place where we stubbornly stand on God's word. And we have to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are filled with the power of God. I want you to understand this, that when you come to faith in Christ, in fact, the first thing I would want you to know about the Holy Spirit is that you receive the Holy Spirit when you come to faith in Christ. From that day forward, the Holy Spirit is in you. You receive him by faith. But I would tell you that 
while there's one receiving of the Holy Spirit, there's many times that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you look at this and you look at what Paul teaches in Ephesians 5.18, he tells us, do not be drunk with wine for it is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he tells us this and, and, and what it literally means when he says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means to be being filled. It is a continual action. It's something that continues on, something that we need daily, something that we uh, need to ask for daily, um, something that we have to have in our lives, something that's not optional, something that, that, that works in us. He's there to give us the power we need for life. But are we drawing from him. Jesus said in John chapter seven that all who were thirsty could come and drink. He meant come and drink of the Holy Spirit. Are we going to the well? Are we going to him? Are we going to the source? And are we allowing him to fill us with the power that only he can give? The power of God. Because this is what I've learned, what I've seen, and what I know is that I can't do what God has called me to do apart from the Holy Spirit. And neither can you. Neither can you. My encouragement to you today, my encouragement to you tonight, my hope for you is that somehow in your heart there would be a hunger for God created in your heart that makes you want him more, that stirs your affections for him, that would lead us to wanting to walk in the power of his presence, that would lead us to wanting more of his Holy Spirit in our life. Because if we're going to accomplish anything of eternal value, if we're going to walk in the, 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 the joy that God wants us to have, if we're going to have uh, the strength that he wants us to have, if we're going to enjoy his presence the way he wants us to enjoy his presence, it's going to be because we have walked in and are walking in the power of the Spirit of God. Look at Luke chapter 11. Verse five, it says, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if he, his son asks for a fish, will instead give, of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? 
A couple of things about this text. One is that this is coming after Jesus' disciples ask him to teach them to pray. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. This is a, a model of how he wants them to pray. But then you come into this teaching, and we want to see this in the context of him talking about us receiving and being given the Holy Spirit, of him giving the Spirit of God into our lives. And he uses an example of a man who comes and he knocks on a friend's door, and this friend won't get out of bed. Literally, at this time of night, um, they would have been in bed for five or six hours, and he would have literally been in one room with his family, all of them together, and he would have not wanted to get up, disturbing them and, and uh, getting out of bed. They would have been asleep for some hours. And, and when he uses this, he's talking about how when he continues to ask and he continues to knock, finally he wears this guy down and he gets up and gives him what he's asking. I want you to understand that what he's not doing, he's not saying that if you don't continue to ask, if you don't continue to to seek, if you don't continue to knock on the door and you don't just pester God to death, then he's not going to answer your prayers. What he's saying is that God is not like this. He's using this to show the opposite of who God is. He's saying that if this man who's not perfect in character, perfect in love, and perfect in who he is, is is going to get up and respond to this man's request, how much more will God who is perfect in character, perfect in love, perfect in his person, how much more will he get up and do what we need him to do in giving us the Holy Spirit when we ask? And so... We don't continue to ask and we don't continue to seek and we don't continue to not because God is reluctant to give the Spirit of God to us. We continue to ask and we continue to knock and we continue to seek because we need to continually receive what God wants to give to us. It's a huge difference. And so we see in this that We're called to seek, we're called to ask, we're called to not, but we're called to do that with the confidence of God's children, knowing that he will give us what is best, he will give us what we need, he will give us himself through his spirit. And so we come to continually ask and seek and knock so that he gives his spirit to us. I want you to see that. I want you to understand that if you're a believer, the Spirit of God dwells in you. I want you to know, one, that you receive it by faith. The second thing I want you to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is promised to those who believe. It is a promise of God. Just as he promises here that he will give his Spirit in Joel uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 28 Joel, who was a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus, he prophesied in Joel 2, 28, that there would come a day when God would pour out his spirit on all flesh, that there would be a great outpouring of the spirit of God. And when we look over in Acts chapter 2, you can flip there if you want to real quick. Acts chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of this promise. In verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Over in verse 12, we see the response. It says, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said that they are all filled with new wine. In other words, they're all drunk. 
Verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dream, or dream dreams." Even my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. What Peter is telling us and what Peter is saying is, listen, this is that day. This is the day that God has poured out his spirit. This is the day that Joel talked about all those years before. And he's saying this is the promise that God had given that he would fill us, that he would give us, that he would pour out his Holy Spirit. And that promise is still true for us today. The thing that we have to do is we simply seek, we simply ask, simply knock. The third thing I want you to leave here understanding about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a necessity and not an option. You receive him by faith. He's a promise that God's given us. And the Holy Spirit is a necessity, not an option. See, we, we can't we can't get so good at doing church that we think that we can do it without him. We can't get so good and have so many bells and whistles and so many things that, that we think that somehow it can be accomplished apart from his power. But I feel like in some ways as a church, we've began to outthink or try outsmarted ourselves in a way. We sort of get to this place where we, we've done this for a while and we start thinking, we've kind of got this figured out and we kind of start doing things in a way that kind of makes sense and yet doesn't always make sense to follow God. And I believe this, if all these things were taken away, if we had none of this, if we had none of the, 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 the building was gone, we had none of the stuff, we, we, we were left with nothing but a Bible. I believe with all my heart that people's lives would still be being changed and that people would still be coming to the saving knowledge of Christ because I believe with all my heart that the way that happens is through the preaching of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit, which is not dependent upon anything that we have or anything that we can do. It's just dependent upon our surrender and our obedience and our dependence on the Holy Spirit and trusting in his word. And that's what God's called us to do. That's what God's called us to be. It's no more complicated than that. It's that simple. It's people who are dependent upon the spirit of God working in their lives. People who are willing to go after him with all that they have and allow God to work in them and through them in a way that we can't do on our own. It's people who allow God to take what is very ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe God loves to use ordinary people because when he turns something ordinary into something extraordinary, only he gets the credit and he is glorified and God 
is seen to be the one who's behind it all. And that's what my heart is and my desire is for us, that God would do something extraordinary, that God would do something in you, that God would do something in me, that God would do something through this church that is beyond our comprehension, that is beyond explaining, that is something so incredible that people look at a bunch of ordinary people and go, there must be a God in heaven because there's no way that happens without something supernatural working in their lives. My question to you now is this. Are you hungry for more of God? Do you want more of Him? Does He have your heart and your affections? Are you willing to cry out to him, to pursue him? Are you willing to ask? Are you willing to seek? Are you willing to knock? Are you willing to continue to to pursue even when you don't feel it? See, faith is not about what we see and it's not even about what we feel. Faith is when we continue to do what we know God has told us to do and what he's asked us to do even when we don't have the goosebump, even when we don't have the feeling and even when we don't see it. Um, Hebrews 11.1 tells us that, that that is what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do we want more of God? Do we want to see him work more in our lives, more in the lives of others? Because today I feel like that's the one thing that I am supposed to ask you, that I am supposed to challenge you with. Is does it matter? Are you okay going through the rest of your life doing it the way everybody else is doing it? Doing it apart from all that God wants for us. Doing it apart from his presence. Or is there something in you that says, I want more of God? For some of us tonight, the question and the cry of our heart may need to be, God, I, I don't want more. I, I, if I'm honest, I, there's nothing in me that says I want to cry out to you. And maybe that's what we need to be honest with God about. God, stir in my heart a greater desire for you, a greater hunger for you, a greater hunger for your presence. And I feel like this, if we're willing to be really honest and we're willing to be really transparent with ourselves and with God, then we'll recognize our need for him. We'll recognize the fact that we need more of him. But sometimes we're surrounded by so much stuff and we're so prosperous in our culture that that becomes this anesthetic to our heart and it, it covers the need that we have for God. And the thing I'm asking you today is, do you realize your need for him? So much so that you are willing to cry out to him, to continue to seek and ask and knock, to continue to pursue, 
to continue to go after him even when it doesn't seem to make sense. What is it that God wants to do in your heart? Are you willing to ask? Are you willing to seek? Are you willing to knock? Are you willing to pursue? Does it even matter, right? Does it even matter? Are we content to go through life ordinary? Ordinary. Are we wanting to push through and to continue to pursue into the extraordinary life of people who walk in the power of God's presence? See, for me, ordinary is not an option when God's promised extraordinary. And we need to stand on God's word stubbornly. And we need to pursue his presence and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that he can give, he can work in our lives in the way that he truly wants to work, that we can experience the abundant life of Jesus and what that means. So the fruit of the spirit is produced in us. So the gifts of the spirit that he's given us are used for his kingdom and in the way that they need to be used. For some of us, it's just finally yielding to that. It's finally saying, God, I'm giving all of myself to you. I'm here, God, I want you, I need you. For some of us, it's saying, God, I, I don't really feel that in my heart. I don't really sense that, but God, I want to. Tonight, I feel like that's, that's what I'm supposed to tell you. I feel like that's what we need to hear as a church. I feel like that's what we need as the church. It's the power of God working in us. And then the power of God working through us. I don't think there's a magic formula to seeing people's lives changed. I think it's pretty simple. It's the power of God working through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I know for one, I want to be a part of that. I want to see God do the extraordinary. And I honestly believe he has more for you. He has more for me. He has more for this church. So that's, that's all I have to say about that. But tonight I do want to encourage you to ask. I want to encourage you to seek. I want to encourage you to knock. Tonight if that's where you are and your heart is, God, I want you. I want more of you. Fill me with the power of your spirit. I want to pray for you. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of laying on of hands. I believe that God does something when believers agree together. And we see in Acts chapter four where some of the same people who were filled in Acts chapter two pray and they cry out to God for boldness and courage. And it says that the place where they stood was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
believe when we agree together, we agree with one another, we go to God and we ask him for what he wants to give us, the Holy Spirit. And he is faithful to do that. And so I wanna ask you today, that's a cry of your heart, that's what you want. I wanna pray with you, I want our prayer team to pray with you. I'm gonna ask you today, if that's you, I want you to come up here so we can pray. I want you to come up here and let us pray with you and ask God to move in your heart. Cry out to Him and maybe to be desperate for the first time in your life. See, there's no shame in being desperate for God. There's no shame in saying I want more of God, but it is a shame to waste the privilege that God's given us through Jesus to come into His presence have more of him to have all that he wants to do in our lives but not take advantage of it I'm just going to let that question sink in for a minute you're saying I want God to do more in my life in my heart and I'm going to push on this a little bit because I think some of you feel like the bottom of your pants is sewn to the seat but your heart's saying I need to move and I need to take a step of faith I think you need to get up and come up here this is the church this is what we're here to do this is what we're here to be as people who pray for one another. People who walk through life with one another. People walking in the power of the Spirit of God. I want to pray. And I want to pray with the folks here, but let's pray together and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you would give us Jesus, that you would give us your best, your only. Lord, I pray that you would let us see that more clearly. Lord, let us see that more clearly. Lord, we ask for your spirit to indwell us, God, to overflow in our lives. God, let us be being filled with the spirit of God. Let us abide in you so closely that you work in us and you work through us. Don't let us settle for mediocre, God. Don't let us settle for church as usual. Don't let us settle for life as usual. But give us a passion to pursue you and fill us with the power of your presence, God. That we ask like those believers in Acts chapter four that you would give us courage to proclaim your word with boldness. Shake us at the core of who we are through the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us go out and be the church that you called us to be in our community and wherever we go. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So God bless you guys. Go have a great week.